In this episode, please be aware that we talk openly about bullying, abuse and suicide, and there may be some language intended for adults only. Hello and welcome to the Pink Triangle Podcast, a new five-episode series brought to you by Pink Saltire, an LGBT plus charity in Scotland. Throughout this series, we'll be hearing the stories of many LGBT plus folk from across the country, including those that have moved to Scotland from elsewhere around the world. This podcast has been supported with funding by the Year of Stories 2022 Community Stories Fund, which is being delivered in partnership between Visit Scotland and Museums Gallery Scotland, with support from the National Lottery Heritage Fund. I'm your host, Rachel, and here on episode two of the podcast, I spoke with Denny, who moved to Oban from Brazil in 2005. In this episode, I learned a lot from him about what his life was like growing up in rural Brazil and how different he has found the community here in Scotland. Okay, I identify myself as gay, as male gender, uh, and... And to be fair, like, I just wish society did not use a label as yeah. such, you know, like, like we, we are people and, and I'm Benny, you know, and, that, and that, that should be enough. You go through that discovery stage of am I, am I not, what am I going to, if I, if, I, if I want to be who I think I am, you know, am I going to be loved? Am I going to be accepted? Am I going to be judged? How bad am I going to be judged? How many doors are going to get closed for me? Because it was not a question of other are doors going to be closed because the answer was a straight yes. There will be many of them mm-hmm. closed, you know. And then I started to try, like thinking about my, or even doubting about my identity uh, I don't know, seven, eight years old. Uh, it is young, even, I would say. And then uh, I came out to my parents when I was, like, 16. So, But then even at that age, I was not really, you know, there were questions and questions and more questions. <laughs> In a way, it's like, I, I, I wish there was no need of me coming out. I wish I could just say, as I would walk in and say, this is my girlfriend. I wish I could just go say, oh, this is my boyfriend. You know, I did not. Like, let's say if I was straight, I would not come out as a straight. So if I'm gay, why should I come out as gay? Exactly. You know, why, why should I have to explain who I want to go to bed and have a love relationship with if I'm gay? But then if I'm straight, I don't have to do that. I, it doesn't, in my head, it doesn't fit in. Brazil was and still is a difficult place to be openly part of the LGBT plus community. It can even be difficult to find work. I'd love to say that it's uh, it's a free liberal country that you can come out and you're not going to judge. But it's it's not, it's the opposite. If you up to nowadays, if you do come out in Brazil, you'd still be judged by your identity and and then you have to pretend and it's it's tough. You know, you you, you get jobs uh, like doors closed on jobs because it's not who they want for their their job role. They do not want an LGBTQ plus person. And in a in a job that's not commonly associated with LGBTQ people. However, Denny managed to find a sense of community with some of the transgender people living in Brazil, although it was not always possible to be friends with them in public. 
So the sense of community, like the sense of it's okay to be gay came from the transgender uh, people in town because they all, I used like, I'm from a rural area in Brazil, like very rural. And then if you pop up Brazil as a mainly Catholic country, uh, the rural areas is even more focused on that, you know, uh, influenced by those uh, behaviors and uh, beliefs. So on town, there was like three or four very outspoken transgender and they would fight for the rights. They would stand their, their territory and anybody trying to cross that, they would be quite firm. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's me. If you're going to mess around with me, you're going to feel the impact, which was like great to see, you know, not great to see the prejudice that they were, they were facing, but great to see that they were able to stand out for who they knew they were. Uh, however, being associated with transgender in Brazil, being gay and associated with transgender people in Brazil was not a good thing. So you had to be friends with them on the dark, you know, mm-hmm. so they, it was not nice, you know, because mm-hmm. you were all, you, there was always in the back of, oh, what about if they find out that I'm actually friends with them? You actually wanted to be friends. You actually wanted to, uh, them to inspire me in a way, but you could you had to measure what uh, how society would judge how would how would I be judged by society for that? So mm-hmm. we're talking about 1994, like yeah. and then the two transgender, like the one of the transgenders actually became uh, like elected went went into the pol- uh, politics and then uh, with the slogan. <gasps> I, I, let's let's talk transparency. You know, I I've always been transparent by who I am. Let me transparent for you, and then let's expose the government. And she did an amazing campaign campaign. Oh, wow! Two or three runs, like she was by far the most uh, successful. Like co- like comparing to here to be like a local councillor. Those who were part of the transgender community in Brazil encouraged others to stand up for themselves and to make their voices heard. There is quite a lot of transgenders, but I think they make themselves known because if they don't, they just become ignored by society and just a member of another, another number on the sad statistics of violence against transgender people. Mm-hmm. So they, they either like kind of stand up for themselves or they can they they will be exposed to that they can be exposed to the violence and unfortunately brazil i think it is one of the highest if not the highest yes yeah in, in trans crimes around the world denny found it tough having to hide his identity and he struggled at first with how to come out to his family At the same time, he was still unsure about his sexual orientation, and this impacted on his mental health. It was tough because, like, I used to get out of my parents, and then usually the usual teenager go to their uh, their other friends, you know, who are probably sons or daughters of their parents' friends. And then I used to go out to a place where my parents did not know where I was going. 
when I was 14, 13, 14, when I was like, I'm definitely gay. <laughs> like now <laughs> let's talk about how to come out to my parents, you know? And then you go, you, you use these role models to you talk to them. You try to, you know, like, how, how is it? What do I do? You know, how do I, how do I go about kissing a boy, you know, or anything like that. But I couldn't tell my parents, or I couldn't tell anybody that I was actually talking to these people, that I was friends with these people because then the assumption would have been made. Uh, so I was hiding something from my parents and my parents thought that I was taking drugs. So, oh. yeah. So they would start taught, saying that I was taking drugs and that was then, I think that was when I was 15, they started using that, oh, you're taking drugs, you're taking drugs, you're doing things that you're not telling us, you're keeping secrets from us until, and, and of course that impacted my mental health in a way because I was already doubting my sex, sex, uh, like sexual orientation and my identity, uh, I wasn't sure how you would be seen by society. I wasn't sure if I could follow the career path that I wanted to follow. And then we'll get back to that. So with all those in mind, I didn't want to leave, you know, so like I didn't want to want to be here in this world. So I was like, I think when I was 12, 13, I was already planning that I wanted to commit suicide by the age of 14. When I completed 14 on the 14th of April, I would attempt suicide because society did not want me, you know. Ultimately, Denny wanted the truth to come out. He was tired of being judged for someone he was not. And at 16, he came out to his parents as gay. My coming out story to my parents was I was fed up of being judged of, you know, uh, I'm hiding something from them as such, or they were thinking that I was taking drugs. So I just said to them, like, listen, I'm, I don't take drugs. I'm not, I'm not a drug user, but if you want to call me something, call me gay because that's what I've been doing. I've been having friends with gay people because I'm, I'm meeting them and talking to them because that's that's who I am. Because then if they think that I'm taking drugs, then they are trying to justify every single other thing with that kind of behavior, or that kind of possible behavior that they had put in their heads. And I was better than that. You know, mm. I was like, I was not that kind of son. Uh, so why why am I being judged by that? You know, why, why, why? Just ask me, you know, if you like, if you don't ask, you don't get it. But Whenever exactly. ask, just be ready for the, the answers that might come in your way. You might you might not like it, but I'm not asking you to like. <laughs> I'm giving you the answer. And were they supportive of you when you came out? Uh, my dad's answer was, uh, I knew. My friends told me. I just laughed. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll give you time for you to find out who your friends really are. Because I used to study in the capital, so it was like about, Two, three, 250 miles from distance from the countryside where, uh, where they were based. And I used to rely on three lifts from the capital to visit my parents once a fortnight, once every month during the weekends. Okay, Most of my parents, uh, my dad's friends, were the ones giving me the lifts. But they were also the ones who were trying to abuse me sexually during those lifts. 
Okay, and then I would say no. Like, listen, it doesn't work like that. If if you give me a free lift, I'm giving you a free lift, but don't ask me for uh, a blowjob. You know, don't ask me to do anything in exchange of the lift. It doesn't work like that. So I didn't say that to my dad because if it was already a shock for them coming out as gay as 16, I, I couldn't even imagine the reaction of me telling that their friends were trying, their married straight friends with wives and kids wanted to have sex with me yeah. you know at the age of 14 That's 15 okay. you know so but luckily enough when I was 18 19 I was doing my studies in the capital and it came out that these same friends were having an orgy but a different kind of orgy all the wives in one house all the males in another house <laughs> And, wow. and then I'm talking about politics, about uh, very important members of the society, of the, yeah. the aristocracy society in Brazil. And my dad just called me and said, is that what you're talking about? They were all gay. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> Including the pastor of your church. <laughs> oh, wow. Denny's mother had a slightly different answer to that of his father's, but it was not positive. She suggested that his identity was something that needed to be cured. My mom's answer was, uh, there is a cure. You can go and see the psychiatrist. I had been asked to go and see a psychologist, a psychiatrist, since I was 13, 14. So since I started having my depression thoughts and mm -hmm. suicidal thoughts, I have been asked them to go and see someone. Okay. The answer was always no, because I did not need. Hmm. So whenever I come out, now I need. And now they can afford. Uh -huh. And I was like, that, that's not how it works. I don't want to see a psychiatrist to cure me from being gay, because that's not a disease. I want to see a psychiatrist because I'm thinking about committing suicide. your career what was it you were wanting to do I wanted to be an engine uh, computer engineering so yeah. since I was nine ten years old and I thought if if Bill Gates and Steve Jobs had a son it could be me you know <laughs> so let's let's study for that so I, I used to devour computer attacks and then I used to start studying uh, computer programming when I was 10 and everybody else uh -huh. was, was 50, like 25, 30 years old, they were much older than me. And I was a little kid studying computer programming. But I couldn't uh, I couldn't follow through because mm -hmm. as soon as I got into the university, I think as soon as I got into computer engineering university, I was the only open gay male and among four or five hundred students of computer engineering. And then at any time that they had an opportunity to uh, scrutinize me for that, they would. Wow. The practice of hazing in universities in Brazil was quite common at the time, and Denny was particularly singled out due to his identity. In Brazil, to celebrate freshness, they do the parts in the end of the thing, but then you get the, you play 
pranks on a, as a prank on your freshers. So let's say they put me in front of the queue of the 40 people because I was gay. So then they start cutting my hair because long hair or with highlights didn't really fit with the engineering department. Uh, and then they start throwing oil and eggs and flour uh, and, and expose you to this, uh, like, almost like to fry you up. <laughs> but that they do with all the, all the students. That's that tradition. Okay. After the six, seven hours of <laughs> jokes continued, I went in, went to the hairdresser, and there was a little bit of hair left on the back. So I did a rainbow uh, bohaikan. And then on the top, they draw a dragon, like a like a phoenix dragon thing. Mm-hmm. So the following day, I went to the class. They they wanted me to feel upset, you know, or like put myself down, my self-esteem down. So I arrived with a rainbow, mohaikin, dragon, class, and I'm like, and then these, and then I went to all of the girls, and like, and this is their business card of my hairdresser, if you want it. It only costs that, I don't know if you can afford it. However, they will do a great job in your hair, even if you don't have any. They didn't want me, and then uh, I ended up quitting, and I couldn't go to classes anymore, you know. Or anything like that. It was not a pleasant environment to be in. It was around this time that a very close friend of Denny's saw just how much he was struggling and suggested that he move with them to Italy. From 14 to 21, I had served, I, I tried uh, attempt suicide seven times. And then one of them, like when I was in union, I, I was not succeeding, I couldn't face going to uni anymore. Uh, I ended up in hospital and it was not, it was like the closest to death that I had been at that time. And then one of my friends uh, from the engineering department at uni had planned already to move to Italy. And then she invited me to go with her after the, she was like, Danny, this is not for you. Like, I can't leave you behind. Like, otherwise I'm not going to have a friend anymore. So, so that's, yeah. So I ended up in Italy. However, Denny found Italy to be a very similar environment to Brazil. I was in Italy initially for three months, and then I went back again for another seven months. So in total, 10 months. Mm-hmm. First three, three months, I felt that there were the same, very similar issues as in Brazil. Catholic Church mm-hmm. uh, believes you cannot be gay because the Pope said you cannot be gay. However, I didn't feel perhaps that there was a huge barrier on the job market for for me being gay. And then I just said, it's not for me. It's just like a posh Brazil, a posh version of Brazil. And then I was like, if, I, if I'm going to get uh, be exposed to that, I'd rather be exposed to that, but be close to my family. Mm. So I had decided to move back to Brazil. Around this time, a friend of Denny's living in Oban came back into his life and suggested that he visit because he might be pleasantly surprised by Scotland. After booking some plane tickets, Denny was soon in Glasgow and meeting the friendly locals. But when I arrived in Glasgow, uh, it was very funny <laughs> because I think they, uh, they've got a very like, different accent. But then... <laughs> They made an effort to try to communicate with me. So I asked, like, well, I need to go to Oban, you know, and they're like, Oban, 
<laughs> Not Oban. Oban. <laughs> oh, darling, I'm so sorry. You have to go here, there, there, there. Cross there, go there, go there. Literally, step by step guide with a little map of how to go where I was going to arrive in Oban. And I think the lady had been to Oban as well because she literally guided. This is the region hotel where you're going to go, where your friend works. And then you go there. You don't have to take a taxi. You can walk. You know, I was such a detailed description of how to get from the visit information desk to the open, <laughs> to the hotel in open. It was fab. They're very welcoming. Like, which you, like they, they don't give a damn. Like, they come in. Like, oh, you're welcome. We are here. What can we do for you? You know, and then all bubbly and like, like uh, it's lovely. They're lovely. For Danny, not only was Oban a beautiful place to live in, he also found the community there to be very open and accepting. I quite like Auburn. It's like you get the busy of the season, you've got the scenery, which is like uncomparable. You can't compare to anyone else, you know. Uh, you've got the mod cons they expect from the city, but you've got the countryside, like seaside life. I love that. Yeah. In Auburn, it was the first time they arrived. Uh, it was the reason they stayed in Scotland. They were quite open. Like, uh, when I was here the first time, there was not, like, you know, there was not such thing as dating apps or anything like that. It was still, I think, it was, uh, it's like, Gabe Dar online? Gabe Dar <laughs> or something like that. So you create a profile. There was no one around there. You know, you try to find yourself, try to find your community. There was not much, not much around. But I, I felt welcome at that time in 2005. And I always felt like doesn't matter who I went to bed with, like or you know what my identity was, I did not feel judged by that. And on the opposite, they were very uh, receptive of who I was, and always made me feel like this is my home, you know. And in a way, I, I call Obed my second home. These days, Denny is feeling much more comfortable with his identity and orientation and feels that he can be himself without fear of prejudice. I'm, I'm quite confident, you know, yeah. I don't think anyone has an issue, they should not mind, bye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, of course, sometimes it goes on the back of the head, my anxiety kicks in, like, am I going to be judged because of that? Am I going to... It's always there, you know, once the trauma has happened, I think it's quite... It's hard to remove it completely from from your thoughts or from the way that you proceed. But just breathing for ten people that hates you, twenty people loves you. That's ten. That's a like positive balance of ten. If you ignore the negative ten, it's a positive balance of twenty. If you had one thing that you could say to your younger self, what would you say? Cut the negative ties. Like uh, that, if people don't love, like just be true to yourself. Like you're, you're a great kid. You know, you're always like your heart's bigger than, than the word that you want to fit in. Uh, and and negative people will exist. You know, just don't don't spend time thinking about like 
don't waste your time the time that you have in your life focusing on that on those negative people like focus on the people that actually love you you know focus on the people that want to spend time with you focus on the people who want to share their love with you and and everybody else and everything else will pass you know like everything else will will, will come and go but the people who love you will stay and the people who love you will grow in number you know and they'll remind you of your essence they'll remind you of that there are other like-minded people out there and and there will always be So, what does Denny think the future holds for the LGBT plus community? So it's a working, always a work in progress. Sometimes I feel that the last two years have been a little, or not two years, maybe even more four or five years has been a, a what's the word? I step backwards on certain governments around the globe. You know, Brazil mm-hmm. is a major case, like the, you know, the government that is atrocious, and then you get on the names of extreme far right being elected, you know, everywhere and trying to cancel rights that we have fall like fault to be allowed to have those rights, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we need to stand strong as a community. I think we need to emphasize the minorities within our group, within, within our community and make sure that they have a platform to express, to be visible, to be seen, to be respected. It doesn't stop there. You know, it continues now. You have to cause a turmoil in order to cause change. You know, you have to cause a storm in order to, you know, for the weather to clear and be a beautiful day after. Uh, and I think we need to be together on that turmoil. We need to be together on that storm, not is not causing damage, it's creating change, like uh, a beautiful plant, you know, always grow after the seeds cracked. In particular, Denny wishes that there was more representation for some of the more marginalised communities in the LGBT plus population. I would like to see, like, more representation on uh, of the disabled LGBT they can see that they can be part of this community. Come on, you know, like we're here, come together with us, you know. And and I think we can be more open about that. Let's say uh, how many, you know, elderly, like, and I'm talking about, let's put about 70 plus LGBT people feel actually, actually feel comfortable to join in, you know, to go to a gay bar, as an example, or to go to a bar and be free to be gay and have gay friends. And how many of the younger LGBT community would feel comfortable talking to the older LGBT community and learning what they have gone through in order for us to be where we are right now? Without them, who, where would we be? Let's try to bring the community together. Let's try to create a place of inclusion. 
I hope that you have enjoyed listening to Denny's stories about his life before coming to Scotland and his experiences of being a new Scot. Thank you so much to Denny for sharing all of this with me and joining us on the Pink Triangle podcast. Over the next few episodes, I will be speaking to younger Scots to gain a clearer picture of what it is like growing up as LGBT plus in the 21st century, and also to members of the transgender and asexual communities. Join me next time for more stories and take care.